Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. We want to be able to have sex with whomever we want, whenever we want. This is the reason why people believe in evolution, according to the late influential English biologist, philosopher, educator, and author, Sir Julian Huxley, who, in addition to being an English knight, was known for his scientific research in the area of hormones, developmental processes, ornithology, and ethology. He is also the founder of the biology department at Rice University in Houston, Texas, was a professor of zoology at King's College in London, coined the term evolutionary synthesis, and was the first director general of the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, otherwise known as UNESCO. In an interview, he was asked, why do people believe in evolution? He didn't cite anything from his area of expertise. He didn't refer to the fossil record or bring up an assertion about spontaneous generation. No, he said, and I quote, the reason we accepted Darwinism even without proof is because we didn't want God to interfere with our sexual mores. Really? That's why people believe in evolution. Okay. Evolution, which is generally presented in our society as scientific fact, was and is believed because it permits people to bump uglies whenever and however they want to. That's the reality of it. It's promoted as the West's predominant worldview because it appeals to the immoral preferences of our secular society, not because it's based on scientific evidence. Today's sermon is on 1 John 3, 1, where we read, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him, God. As you heard, John says that Christians are God's children. And as he explains, it's because we're God's children that we're not understood by unbelievers. In his gospel account, John recorded Jesus saying, Father, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So I have sent them into the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So sanctify them in your word. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. I do not ask for these only, just the apostles there in Jesus' life, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these ones know that you have sent me. As John was describing 
the realities of Jesus taking on flesh and coming into the world, the world that he created, the incarnation of God, the apostle wrote that he was coming into the world, he was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You are a child of God because he wills it. Belief in Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's given to you through the preaching of his word, promised and sealed in holy baptism. You, dear Christian, were conceived when you heard the proclamation of Christ crucified, the seed of scripture implanted in your heart. And like a child in the womb, water broke and you were birthed in the sacrament of baptism. A new creature, a Christian, not of this world. God's child sent into this world. And as a Christian, you are not understood by the unbelievers in your life. They don't get you because they don't get God. Now, they can understand you if they want to, but at this moment, they don't. Some of your friends and family are receptive to learning about God, about Jesus, about your sanctified life, sanctified by the word of truth found in Scripture. Some want to understand what makes you tick. They want to know you. And they want to know your God, but others, you know, they don't. Many people in your life don't want to understand you or your Lord. Our culture exists in a heathenistic hotbox. Most of our Contemporaries don't even realize that their environment encourages and promotes a rejection of the one true God. Many people work hard to never have to give a moment's thought to the possibility that there is a God, let alone the one true God. What happens after death is a question that many have been trained to never dwell on. Don't go there, it's uncomfortable. They don't want you to make them go there with your confession of Christ, who is the solution to death. To talk Jesus is to talk death. So I don't want to talk Jesus. For many, it's just as Julian Huxley said, they don't want God to interfere with their sinful attitude on on any subject. This is how we all are, actually, before our Father brings us to life in the waters of baptism by his Holy Spirit. It's how we we are even today as Christians when we entertain the temptation to sin and we revert back into those ways even just momentarily. Put plainly, people just don't want to know God. It's not that they can't. 
They don't want to. It's not a matter of the intellect. You can present all the evidence in the world revealing that belief in the crucified and resurrected Jesus is the most rational and sane belief under the sun. It doesn't matter. It's not a matter of emotion. You can show everyone how Christ isn't a vengeful taskmaster, but a loving Savior who brings peace and comfort to our suffering, that he knows what it is to feel pain, and he offers immediate and eternal relief from hurt. It doesn't matter. Why? Because it's a matter of the will. Volition. People just don't want to know Jesus or his Father. It's not about arguing them into the faith. They don't want to know it. They intentionally resist the Holy Spirit. They pit their sinful will against the Christian creating holy will of God. It's a battle of the wills. People resist belief in Christ because to admit that there is a God, to admit that you are not Him, is too hard to do. Because you don't want to have to admit that you're not the highest authority in the world. Allowing even the possibility of God, let alone all of what he's revealed about himself in Holy Scripture, means that you forfeit your self-perceived idea of autonomy, that you are your own God. You've done that, Christian. That you submit your will to God's makes you odd in the unbeliever's eyes. You are a weirdo, strange, bizarre even. You are seen as surrendering your liberty to someone beyond yourself. Who does that? The world wonders. Well, the person who's come face to face with reality, that death is coming, that nothing in this world is of my own creation, not the air I breathe or the food I consume to keep living, not the, the home that I live in. I, all these resources were provided to me by someone else, ultimately God. That's who does that, the realist, you, the Christian. Admitting that there's a God and that he's communicated his will for our lives and continues to do so through the ongoing teaching of his word, this right here, and the distribution of his sacraments, means you don't have authority to define for yourself what is right or wrong. Oh, how so anti-postmodern of us. Would that make us pre-postmodern? Post-postmodern? <laughs> by denying God, by ignoring the forensic eyewitness testimony of Jesus Christ, Scripture, and the ongoing preaching of it, people avoid the truth that they can't just do whatever they want, that some things are morally prohibited. Unbelievers are unbelievers because their unbelief is, in a word, comfortable. It comes down to comfort. 
This is the primary reason people don't come to church. It's not that the service is too old-fashioned or boring. For most, it has very little to do with what hymns we sing or that they don't like crowds. I don't care what they say. Excuses abound. It's that this is where God serves us. This is where people come face to face with the reality of God and must admit that they don't, they aren't gods unto themselves. This is where they have to acknowledge, at least within their own hearts, that they're living in denial. It's not comfortable to be here for so many people. It's one of the real reasons people prefer at least those who claim to be Christian but don't want to come to church, that they prefer to worship Jesus in their own way, on the beach, in the woods, doing something they find relaxing. Oh, I worship God out on the green. It's their way. Yeah, we're comfortable with our way. It puts us in charge. It keeps us feeling like we're in control. It propagates the delusion that you are your own God. And that's no bueno. There's a reason God says, this is church. You can be a Christian on the green, but that's not where he promises to be with you. You can be a Christian on the beach, but that's not where he gives you his sacrament. He promises to do that in the church setting, the divine service where he serves you. And that means... You come to his house where he does things his way and his will is above your will. And you submit to it as a Christian, recognizing that you are not your own God. Not admitting that God exists, knowing him, not coming to where he promises to be present, coming to church might offer some temporary comfort. But we all know it's intellectually and emotionally dishonest. Putting your head in the sand has never been a good approach to anything. But this is why the unbelieving world doesn't know God. Plain and simple, they don't want to. They reject him, just as his own people did not receive him when he came into this world. We we can understand that, can't we? We suffer from that same temptation, don't we? Even as Christians, there are times that we don't want to know God. Namely, when you're right in the middle of doing the very thing you you say you don't want to do, right? When you're sinning, when you have that pet sin, you know, you're, you're willing to give up all the others, but not this one, Lord, I want to keep this one. You don't want to know God at that moment because you want to keep doing that thing that he says not to do. So if we pretend like he didn't say not to do it, you can keep doing it. Instant gratification being what it is, we tend to default toward the immediate comfort of pretending like we don't know God. We put Christ out of our minds, even if just for a moment, to reduce the guilt of sin, instead of focusing on the fact that we're children of God. You are forgiven. You don't have to feel guilty when you sin. You give it to the Lord right? This is what it means to be a child of God. This is the turning point. This is what we want the world to know. There is no guilt when you're at the cross. 
He took all that guilt away from you. You have been forgiven. You are a child of God and so are they. If only they would receive him. There is no, oh, look, you can't do this anymore. Oh, look, you should feel bad. No, he died for all of our sins because he wants to take it away because he is not here to make you feel guilty. He came to liberate you, truly to give you freedom. And he did it by creating an all new you. My friends, remember that you are forgiven. Beloved, we are God's children now, the apostle says. Now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. That is, in its fullness. I can only see what's right in front of me. I cannot see the George that there will be. I cannot see the Jessica that the Lord sees. I only see the sinner and the saint. He only sees the saint. But we know that when Christ returns, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Christ is good. It is great to know God. He has made himself and his father known to the world even though many in the world do not want to know him, his Holy Spirit has made the Father and Son known to you. You know him. You are God's child. And I can't wait to see this truth in its full glory when Jesus returns because it's going to be dope. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.